Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, everyone. I want to thank Trish for hosting and Herbie for being our professional streamer today. Welcome to Dexter, oh, Janice, Nora, and Tyann, and anyone else listening. I'm um, actually very excited about today. Uh, I'm going to show you the power of inversions. And because we have three or four participants that I can see on Zoom, feel free to uh, raise your hand, ask any questions as I go along. Um, I've been doing this for decades, so I, I'm going to go as slow as I can possibly, but it still may be something that, that you don't understand. And if we don't kind of settle that right away, you might not see or you know understand what's going on after that. So today we're going to talk about the power of inversions. Now, in, an inversion is basically saying, okay, we have a C major triad in root position. I'm playing C, E, G. Okay. Now, we can rearrange those notes in several positions. We could put the E on the bottom and do E, G, C. And that's what's called first inversion because we moved it one position upward uh, from the root position. It's called root position, C, E, G, because the bottom note is the name of the chord. The root or the lowest note is the name of the chord. Okay, so this is C major root position, triad. This is first inversion. We're simply rearranging the names of the notes. We now have E on the bottom, E, G, C from bottom to the top, E, G, C. And if we invert it one more position up to the right, we have G, C, E. It's called second inversion. And if we move it one more position upward, we get back to root position, C, E, G. Okay, so because a triad has three different notes, there are three different positions. Any of those three notes could be on the bottom of the chord. So again, C major root position, C is on the bottom. Now first inversion, that's E, Edward, E is Edward in the bottom. Now you're not gonna see the word first and the word inversion when you play, or play from a lead sheet or any music. First inversion in this case would be written as a fraction, C over E. And the top letter C of the fraction describes the chord name, C major. And the bottom letter is literally the lowest note that you're going to strike. So C over E is the same as first inversion. But again, you're not going to see first the word first and the word inversion written out, spelled out. So it's C, C over E, C over G, back to C. So basically, anytime you see a letter slash different letter, if that letter on the bottom is part of the chord name on the top, then that's what's, it's going to be an inversion. Okay. All right. So that's the principle of uh, inversions. Now, the way you get the inversions is you literally take the lowest note. In this case, C is in Charlie. And you transfer that C up an octave keep the other two notes the same. So transfer the bottom note up an octave. Now I have C over G, transfer the bottom note up an octave. Okay, so it's pretty important that you're able to just go back and forth between the root, first inversion and second inversion. 
It's a very good exercise. You can do it for F, F over A, F over C. Okay. So let's talk about the power of inversions. This is actually very exciting. It's particularly helpful for visually impaired and blind students, I find, because this is going to minimize our jumping around or our movement. Okay. Now, from a previous presentations, hopefully uh, we talked about, or you understand, the most common chord progression in all of music is what's called the two, five, one progression. So if we're in the key of C major, we build a chord on the second note of the scale, in this case, D dog. We go every other note of the scale, and that's the two chord, D, F, and A. Why? Because it's built on the second note of the scale, and the way we build chords is we go every other note of the scale. So this is called the two chord in the key of C major. And it happens to be a D minor chord, D, F, and A. Okay. So check this out. The five chord in the key of C would be, let's see, would be G, right? G is in girl. So the two chord is D minor. The five chord built on the fifth note of the scale is ends up being G major. So the two, five, one progression in the key of C major would be D minor, G major to C major. Okay. I would bet hundred dollars that every single song in the entire world ends on that progression. Okay. Because it just does. It's a circle of fifths, by the way, also D down a fifth is a G down a fifth is C. So that's partly why the two, five, one progression is so common uh, because it is a circle of fifths movement. Okay. So let's say we're doing a two, five, one in the key of C. Here's D minor. Now we would typically jump up to the G chord and then jump back down to the C. But what if we did an inversion of the G chord? We start out with D minor. All we have to do is move our thumb, our top note, one, one whole step up, and we get a G dominant seven, or a G chord, in this case, G, G seven, and that would resolve to the one, okay? And ideally, to the one chord in first inversion. Check this out. So this is the D minor, two, five, and then if we move each note up one white note each, we get the C first inversion. But you could go to C root. Okay. So that is very simple muscle movement. We get the two chord, D minor. We just move the thumb, the top note, up one whole step. Right? And then we go to the one chord. Okay. So let's apply this. This is a tune by Duke Ellington. It's called Satin Doll. The entire song, with the exception of maybe two measures, is 2-5. So here we go. I'm doing D minor. Just change my thumb up one whole step. That's the G7 or G chord. Here we go. Here's E minor. Just change my top note of the chord up a whole step. Here's another A minor. Just move my thumb, A flat minor. I'm just moving my thumb up a whole step. And then 
the, the bridge. Here's G minor. I'm just moving one note and I get a whole new chord. So that's extremely powerful and extremely easy from a dexterity standpoint. Okay, so that's what I call, or what is a two, five, one progression, but just moving the thumb and then up one whole step. And again, two, five, one is the most ubiquitous chord progression in all of music. So this is a very powerful idea. Right? So let's, uh, questions on that so far. Hopefully I made that somewhat clear. <laughs> um, that is the, uh, now we have someone new. I see Ken Rogers and Janice. Great. Um, any questions, please raise your hand anytime. So that's the two, five, one progression. And if you want to really be thorough, you could do that in all the keys. Let's say I'm in the key of uh, F major. So two would be G minor. Change my thumb up one whole step. I get C dominant seven. There we go. Let me explain uh, those chords in a little more detail. If I'm in the key of C, the two chord is D minor. I change my thumb up one whole step and I get G, the five chord. Now this happens to be the a G7 chord called a 5-7 chord. And what's going on there is we have the third of the G chord, we have the seventh of the G chord, and we have the fifth of the G chord, G7 chord, okay? So you might say, well, wait a minute, G7 is a four note chord. It is, but we have the important notes, okay? So facil to facilitate ease of movement, we do have the important notes, and that's the third, the seventh and the fifth. So again, just moving up my, my thumb. And you can hear how that sounds a little bit better when I go to C first inversion, as opposed to, it's called voice leading, but they both work. So again, just moving the thumb. Okay, but what you need to know on the second chord, the G chord, is that even though you're not playing four notes, you are playing the most important notes of uh, any four note chord. And that's the third of the chord and the seventh. So that's why it works. Okay, it's, it is G dominant seven in essence. Okay, that's the theory there. All right, so let's say we want to do um, the second most common chord progression in all of music, and that's the one, six, two, five, one progression. Notice the one, six, two, five, one progression includes um, the two, five, one, right? So check this out. This is very cool. Let's play the C major chord triad in root position, C, E, G. If we move our thumb up one, this sounds a common theme here. Hmm. If we move our thumb up one whole step, we get A minor, which is the sixth chord. Okay, how is that the sixth? Well, the sixth note of the C major scale is A. And if we go every other note of the C scale, starting on an A, we get A minor. Now, if we invert A minor to first inversion, it's really only one note different than the C chord. So that's pretty handy. So here's C major in root position, C, E, G. Just change my thumb up one whole step and I get A minor over C. It's an A minor chord, it's just inverted, C, E, A. 
Now, if I go, that's the one, six. Now, if I go to the two chord, we know that's D minor. If I move my thumb up again, one whole step, I get to G7. Wow. And then I can go home to one. So we're just changing our thumb up one whole step. C major, A minor, D minor, G dominant seven to C. So it's one, six, two, five, and then we can do C over E with the best voice leading, or we can jump down to C root for a little bit less uh, logical progression. So one, six, two, five, one. That's huge. Instead of jumping, one, six, two, five, one, which is hard enough being visual, but you know, if you're visually impaired or blind, this is so much easier. One, six, two, five, one, C chord, first inversion. All right, so here's some songs that use that very uh, minimal movement chord progression. One, six, two to five, one to six, oops, to two to five, one, six, two to five. All right, so it behoove you to practice that progression. One, six, two, five, back to one root. Here we go. Uh, let's do another one. One, six, two to five, one, six, two to five, one. Okay. So to think about the inversions, you know, it takes a little bit of really understanding the chords. But, you know, once you trust that moving that one chord, top note of the one chord up a whole step, you do indeed get an A minor chord inverted. That's huge. One, six, two, five, one. Okay, so it's all about minimal movement, uh, at least, you know, when you're first learning piano, being visually impaired. That's my, my theory, at least. So here's another song that uses... Um, Let's see, I did that one already. Let's try this one. Hmm, one, six, two, five. Let's see. Rainbow connection. All right, that's like half the song. Okay, so it's important though that you understand the theory of it, but basically once you understand the theory, you're just moving that top note up a whole step. And by the way, when you get to the five, seven chord, the G chord, one, six, two, five, if you lock into that shape of the G seven chord, D, F, B, dog, Frank, boy, if you lock into that shape, just go up one white note each and you actually get the C major first inversion. So that makes it easy too. So it's one, move your thumb, two, move your thumb, and then take all three notes and just move up one white note each. And you get C first inversion. Okay, one, six, two, five, one. Questions so far on that? Let me see, we have someone else here, 917. I'm guessing that's one of my students. Perfectly clear. Okay. <laughs> Don't hesitate to ask questions as we go here. I can, um, I can find out who it is if you want me to. Sure. Thank you. 
Oh. Okay, area code 571. Can you identify yourself, please? Yeah, this is Pam. Uh, Mark, hi. How are you guys doing? Hi, Pam. I'm sorry. Can, can you use your first name? Pam, P A M. Oh, Pam. Okay. Thank you. Great. Great. Welcome. So um, that's the power of the inversions. Uh, the, and the two most common chord progressions are two, five, one. All right. That's again moving just the thumb. And one, six, two, five, one, which is moving the thumb. And then just move everything up equal to, not equal to, so, but everything up one white note. And you get the C first inversion. Now we can take that same concept and uh, use that for four note chords. Let's say we wanted to do D minor seven, which is a four note chord. All right, D, F, A, C. That's still the two chord in the key of C major. It just happens to be a four note chord, right? D, F, A, C. Now on this one, we're just gonna move the thumb down a half a step and we get the, G, the five chord. So it's, so that's the two chord, D minor, dog minor seven. Move the thumb down a half a step and we get G dominant seven or G dominant nine. And then we're right in position there to play C major seven. So here's Satin Dow using four note chords, but it's the same progression. It's two, five, two, five. It's gonna sound uh, better just because this is the way he wrote it. it. Has four note chords. But again, I'm just moving my thumb minimally down a half. And the melody's hardly moving at all. So that's a good one to, to, to um, reinforce this concept, I think. This is Satin Doll. We do have I a see hand, a hand. Raise. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Cheyenne. I'm glad you're going over this because I wanted to ask you about the diminished seventh chords because you... Uh, you said something at our last lesson and I kind of remember, but kind of not. Okay, sure. Yeah. You're asking about how the diminished seventh chords function? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Diminished seventh chords, really good question. Uh, typically move a half step up or down, you know, in the root uh, to a minor chord. So uh, if I know I'm going to a minor chord, then I can try to insert a diminished seventh chord prior to that minor chord. Good example is, um, uh, let's see, what is the name of that? Ain't Misbehaving. So Ain't Misbehaving starts on the, in C, it starts on the one chord, C major. Now the third chord is D minor. Well, what are the, let's do a little question and answer here. If D minor is my target, all right, everyone plays D minor. There's a chord there, but you're gonna tell me what it is. There's my D minor seven or D minor chord. So what are the two possible diminished chords, tie-in, that could resolve to D minor? 
Uh, oh boy. Why you guys have put me on this spot? <laughs> oh, you put me on the spot. It's only fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm not really kidding, but that's okay. You handle this. What are the two notes that are a half step away from D? I mean, C sharp, uh, right? Yeah. Or, uh, or um, um, E flat. That's correct. Those are the two diminished chords that could possibly resolve or can possibly resolve to D minor. So then you check the melody and go, okay. Okay, of the two chords we just spoke about, which chord has the melody G in it? Well, that's going to be the C sharp diminished because the G is not, the G conflicts with the E flat diminished. Okay, so yeah. one of the two is going to work. So it's the C, in this case, the C sharp diminished. Oh, that sounds good. Going to minor. Now here's the mystery chord. It's going to E minor. What are the two possible diminished seventh chords that resolve to E, Edward, E minor? Anybody want to put on the spot? <laughs> I guess that's a negative. So it would be E flat diminished, right? Or D sharp, E flat or D sharp diminished. Half step below the target E, or F, a half step above the target of E minor chord. So let's try this. Here's D sharp or E flat diminished seven. Oh, how do I know that works? Well, because the other one conflicts with the melody. So it's in this case, D sharp or E flat diminished seven. That resolves to E minor. Okay, so that's how diminished chords function. They move by half step, either up or down, and almost always they resolve to a minor chord. So if you're arranging a song and you or writing, composing one, and you have a minor chord, a fairly common chord, you can try to insert or precede that minor chord with a diminished seventh half step above or below. Sorry to put you on the spot, but that's just, you know, comes with the territory if you ask questions. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> okay. Does that answer your question? Well, I was talking about like, because like if you start with, say, D diminished seventh, and then you, uh, <clears throat> you use those same notes and to get the other diminished, uh, like, in the different inversion of say diminished. I understand now. Yeah. Yeah. So basically we know from lessons that D is in dog, D diminished seven. When you invert that, you get F diminished seven. F is in Frank. All right. It's the same notes. It's just rearranged. It's like an inversion, but it's really a whole new chord kind of. So, So any of those four would actually could resolve, but the best the best way to use diminished chords is to have them move by half step in the bottom. So basically, we know there's three sets of four diminished seventh chords. There's C diminished seven, which equals E flat, G flat, and A. Well, you can think of it as C diminished seven. If you invert it upward one position, you get a whole new diminished seven, E flat diminished seven. So 
basically any of these four can move uh, a half step up or down to minor. But the best way, you really don't want to play a diminished chord like A and then jump all the way to, to you know, down. You want it to move by half step because that's the way it functions. I don't know if that answered your question, but let me know. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Oh, yeah, it did. Okay. It did? Okay. Yeah. So this is a little trick to remember to visualize, so to speak. You know, once you can visualize or feel C diminished seven, then realize just by inverting it, you do get uh, a whole new diminished seventh and another whole diminished seventh. Right? It's the only type, it's the only chord that when you invert it, it becomes another chord name. It's really C diminished seven equals E flat diminished seven equals G flat diminished seven. Okay, but this is a nice little exercise to master your diminished sevens because they're very difficult for students. You know, if you build them, root, minor third, diminished fifth, diminished seventh, that's difficult. Just get the C diminished seven in your fingers and just start to invert them. So there's actually three sets of four, uh, excuse me, yeah, three sets of four. Each, each set is four of them. One, two, three, four. And so that's C, up a half, do another set of four. But it's a very tactile chord, right? And a quick little hint, if you wanted to form a diminished seventh chord, it's always one and a half steps between each note that will always generate a diminished seventh chord. It's the first only chord that's equidistant, always one and a half steps between each of the chord tones. Okay, cool. So where were we? I think we were talking about the two, five, one, yeah, as a four note chord. So here's D minor seven, four notes. When you play a, the two chord as a four note chord, then you just drop the thumb and you get the five chords. So if you're doing triads, you raise the thumb. If you're doing four note chords, then you just drop the thumb. So the drill is two, I'm in the key of C major, two, five, and then the one chord would be C major seven. These are all four note chords. So two, five, one, all right. Go to the key of G, two, drop my thumb a half step, five, one, of B flat two, five, one. Now you're getting a pattern that's in every single song. Two, five, one. Let's see if I can play satin now in a different key. I've never played it in E flat. Okay, so the two is F minor. Five, one, two, five, two, five. That goes to the sixth chord. Two, five, two, five. Let's see if I can do this. All right, so the melody starts on the sixth note of the key I'm in. Here we go. Let's see if I can do this. Six mark. Yeah, I'm in the key of E flat. I've never played in this key before, but I'm thinking two. Drop the thumb. Two. Now go up a whole step and do the same thing. G minor. And go to the six. Now down a half. 
There it is to the three chord. There it is. Here we go. Two, five. Just moving that one top note, half step. Goes to the six, down a half. Wow, then it goes to the key of four. Wow, that's it. I could never do that after 15 years of class lessons. <laughs> All right, so it's very cerebral. It's very, very, you know, it's a lot of thinking, but as long as you know the two chord is minor and you can get to the five chord by moving one note and the one chord is major, that's very powerful, right? Very powerful. Any questions on that? So if there's no questions, uh, let's review for a moment. So the most common chord progression in music is two, five, one. The second most common is one, six, two, five, one. And when I say two, five, one, I know two is always minor, five is major or dominant, depending upon if I'm playing three notes or four. And then the one, of course, is major. So two, five, one tells me the quality of the chord. Two being minor, five being major or dominant, one being major, all right? That's the most common chord progression in all of music. The second most common is one, six, two, five, one. And one is major, six is minor, two is minor, five is major or dominant, and one is major. Okay, these are truths. These are, these are truisms, if you will, that are applicable or common or known facts in the, when you're, anytime you're in a, key, a major key, okay? And then, we can also, since two, five, one is the most common chord progression, we can do it as a four note chord. And if you do the two, five, one progression as four note chords, then you're dropping the thumb by half step and then basically staying there for the one chord. So two, five, one. Okay. Uh, another song that's very, very two, five, one is um, Sunny Gets Blue. So if I'm doing Sunny Gets Blue, I'm in, uh, that's a two, five, two, five. Here's a two, five, two, five, two, five, two, five. I counted them once. I believe there's 19 sets of two fives in that song. Clearly over 80% of the song, maybe even 90, is uh, two fives. Okay? That's the way you want to be thinking because all music, Beethoven, Bach, everybody's doing these two fives. And once you're aware of them, you're like, oh, wow, that's what he's doing. Right? Um, but you've got to know your chords and right? you got to know your scales. You got to be able to realize what is the two chord in the key of G. Well, let's see. Here's a scale. It's another reason I do try and stress the scales. You know, I, I played the scales as a kid, but you know, no one ever said this is how you're going to practically use them. It was just you know I did what the teacher said. Why am I doing this? It's kind of boring. All right, yeah, I'll get some finger dexterity. 
No, it's because you can't begin to analyze and see the patterns in music unless you can tell me the one, six, two, five in any key. So that's the power or the reason, one of the main reasons to be able to not only play the scale, but to be able to tell me uh, abstractly or, you know, academically, what are the notes of the scale? My best friend teaches piano. will have, I think there's a brilliant idea, you know, have the students name the notes of the G major scale. Don't play them. You've got to be able to play them, but more importantly, perhaps, you've got to be able to identify the notes without necessarily playing the muscle memory, right? I get students from other teachers, what's, they can play all their scales. You know, what's the fifth note of the A major scale? Well, they have to play it. You shouldn't have to play it. You should be able to say A, B, C sharp, D, E, F sharp, G sharp, and A, right? Because you don't have time to count up the scale when you're playing uh, one, six, two, five, one song, right? So if I'm playing, oh, let's see, more in the key of A, one, start down here, one, six, two, five, one, six, two, two, five. Notice the only mistakes I made were melodic. The chords are like one, six, two, five, one. They're like my name, right? So that allows me to focus on the melody. One, six, two, two, five. One, six, two, Five, one, six, two, two, five, one, six, two. I'm going to go to here. All right, so I, I realize on that song it's one, six, two, five, one, six, two, five, and then the bridge modulates to the relative minor. Let's talk about the relative minor. Does anyone know the relative minor, how we determine the relative minor scale? based on a major scale? I don't know. Well, basically, whatever the major scale is, you go down three half steps, and that's the relative minor key or scale. So I was in the key of A, doing the one, six, two, five. relative minor is three half steps down from A, F sharp minor. So that's the key I'm going toward, right? Modulating two, moving toward. So in my mind, I'm thinking one, I'm in A major, one, six, two to five, one, six, two. Now I'm going to the key of F sharp minor, so What's the strongest way to change keys? Do the respective two, five of the key you're moving toward. So that's this chord. And here's the two, that's the two of F sharp minor. The five of F sharp minor. Now I'm in F sharp minor. And I'm gonna do the drop the pinky. What is it? Uh -huh. Hold on. Two to five. So I'm thinking uh, two, maybe three things. One, six, two, five, then modulate to the relative minor and do drop the pinky. Remember that's four minors in a row. Right. 
so many songs that have that in it. All right, so when you understand the Roman numerals and you're thinking patterns, one, six, two, five, two, five, one, then knowing your scales, that really allows you to play in different keys, to modulate in different keys. That song, I'll start in G flat when I perform it tonight. Let's see, I'm going to the key of there. Then I'll modulate to A, there we go. So I'll actually modulate two or three different keys. So it's refreshing and it's extending my performance of one song from maybe a minute and a half to maybe three or four minutes. And I didn't have to learn a whole new song. I just modulated or changed keys and that almost sound, it's refreshing, right? It, it makes it sound new, even though it's the same, same chord or same song. Okay, that's the power, wow. I have 10 participants, oh, that's nice. Anyone have any questions um, on anything? Could be something I spoke about, something I didn't touch on, um, old or new ideas, jokes. Anyone have any jokes? I have a few. <laughs> ah, Nora's iPad. Yeah, yeah, hello. Um, hello. If I, if, I, if I play CF, CFA, like there are C and an F and an A. What what chord is that? C. Sure. You, what, sure. Sure. So, mm -hmm. The best way you could do that would be to start to rearrange. It's, to answer your question, it's an F, as in Frank. It's F over C. But if yeah. you didn't, yeah, if you didn't know that, you could just put the C on top of the chord, and you'd recognize it more readily, right? F A C is an F major. But you could also look at it and go, okay. Is C the lowest note? Is it a C chord? Clearly, no, right? Right. I'm on the C chord, uh, which is uh, a middle C with an F and an A. Right. 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 That's a that's an F second inversion. It would be written uh -huh. C C over F. But what I'm trying to get at is if you just look at it logically, clearly it's not a C chord. So it's got to be either the F or the A chord, right? And does is F, yes. F, A, C? Yes, it is. So it's an F chord, right? Oh, is, okay. Right? Oh, you could think of it that way. Yeah. Well, actually, my C's in the bottom. And um, at first, I was playing C, F, C, yeah, C, F, and the G. Right. So what, right. Is that an uh, inversion of a C chord? No, because it has an F in it. Remember? Oh, okay. C chord. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, good question. That's a C sus four, they call it, suspended fourth. So remember, the inversions can't have any different letters. It's got to have a C, an E, and a G, nothing else, somewhere. Um, oh. Yeah, so basically, yeah. It's got to have those three letters. It, it doesn't matter the order. It can be spread out all over the piano, but if it has a C, E, and a G, at least one of each of those, it's yeah. some type of sequence. Oh, okay, so, oh, yeah, it's like when I have... C E G is a main C chord, I think. Say that again, please. The C and the E and the G is basically the C chord, I think. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, because uh, C is the lowest note, and yep. it has C E and G in it. Absolutely. But 
just to make it clear, hopefully you understand, or I can show you. Play C major again, please. Okay. Oops. Oh, got it. Ooh, sounds like it might be slightly out of tune. No worries. So basically, the process to make that a first inversion is just take the lowest note, the C. Okay. And then move that up an octave, put it on top of the other two notes. Oh, oh, like a one C octave above the middle C. Yeah, you're transferring the, yeah, you're transferring the bottom note, so E, excuse me. Yeah, that's right. Good. I see. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's C over E. That's the way it would be written. And it's called uh -huh. C, C first inversion. And uh -huh. that's the process. Anytime you want to invert a chord, you just take the lowest note and uh, transfer it up an octave. Keep the other okay. two notes the same. Uh, thank you. Uh -huh. yeah, you're welcome. Uh, what, yeah. what is number two, uh, two and five? Sure. Okay, so in the C major scale, what's the second note of the C, the C major scale? Uh, e. Well, I think it would be D, right? No, no, no. I thought, oh. A D, D F and a D F A, D F sharp and A. Well, let's back up for a moment. So, what's what's the second note in the key of C major? Uh, e. No, it's D dog, right? Uh, oh, D for dog. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so we got the second note of the C scale is D dog. We agree on that, right? Yep. Okay. So what you do, Nora, is you take that D and then you go every other white note. In other words, every other note of the C scale. And what do you get? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What notes What notes would you get? Um, I guess I would get the E, F. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, start on a D. Yeah, I got the D. And I'll go skip a white note and play the next white note. Okay, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's it. That's what's called the two chord in oh, the key okay. of C major. Why? Because it's yep. built on the second note. We're starting on the second note of the scale, thus uh -huh. the name two chord. And it's all oh, white okay. because it's all white because the key of C major is all white notes, right? <laughs> okay, so we're just building chords on the first note of the scale, the second yep. note of the scale, the third note. And that's what's called the one chord or the two chord. But remember, you're just going every other note, every other white note, because we're in the key of C major. That's the way we build chords. I'll say that again. You go every <laughs> other note of the uh -huh. scale you're in. Okay. And that's how you get the two chord or the three chord or the four. Right? Uh -huh. Those. Yeah. Right. Hopefully they, yeah. So earlier you played an F sharp. Uh -huh. there's, no F, there's no F sharp in the scale of C, so that's not going to be a chord we use when we play songs in C major. It's going to be all white no. notes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. And so cool. five, and then number five, and number one, uh, yeah, it's different between two and one, two and one, five, <laughs> or two, yeah. five, one. That's right. Yeah, the two is minor. In this case, uh -huh. D is in dog, D minor. Okay. The five is actually a major chord. Yeah. Right. And then the, the, the one chord would be major as well. So, yeah, the just so you know, the one, the four, and the five chords are usually major. And the two, three, six, 
two times three is six. Way to remember. Yeah. Two, the two, that's three, and right. six. Yeah. Two, three, and six are minor. And that's just oh, okay. the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a little confusing, but it's okay, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, once you understand that, it's very powerful yeah. because no matter what key you're playing in, those respective one, four, five chords are going to be major. Yeah. Excuse me. Two, three, and six are going to be minor. So, uh, that's how you play in different keys. You just, but you got to know the scale, right? You got to be able to picture that scale so you know what the two chord is, what the four chord is, what letter. Right? Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, hey, you're welcome. Good questions. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, I I really appreciate all the questions, and they help me to realize, you know what? I've been doing this forty years. Some of you are probably like, I know this already, but others are they need clarification. So, um, that's why I try and you know, review a little bit, but also, you know, obviously keep more advanced as well. So whatever your question is, it's not too simplistic, nor is it hopefully too advanced for me, but I can't put anyone on the spot. Otherwise, Tyann will fire me and I like teaching her. Okay. Uh, any other questions? I know we have some new, newish, newish participants. So I'm happy for that. Thank you. I guess I should put a plug in for my my websites because there's a lot of information on there free information i'll stress that um yeah piano web one word pianoweb.com just click on the uh, drop, drop down menu titled learning resources and i've got oh, six or eight pages of text with accompanying videos um thorough explanations of pdf pdf in pdf form so it's pianoweb.com and the learning resources drop-down menu. Also, of course, blind piano lessons, plural. Blind piano lessons, I have a drop-down menu called learning resources there, where you can uh, learn things. Uh, what else? Hmm. And on YouTube, I have a YouTube channel where I have about 30 free for the viewing instructional videos. Uh, and that's my YouTube channel name. Just type it into the search bar and once you're on YouTube is Piano Web Man, one word, Piano Web Man. And just an FYI, because not everyone knows this, if you go and listen to any of my YouTube videos, there's a, in the lower right-hand corner, there's a cog, it looks like a wheel or a cog. Uh, if you click on that, you can actually adjust the speed at which the video audio part, you know, the speech plays back. It's really handy. So you can pick 50%, 25%, you know, can slow it down as much as you want almost, and uh, it doesn't lose pitch. It's amazing. So um, I try and go as slow as possible during these videos. But uh, again, I have not been playing for five days or five weeks but for 50 years. And uh, so yeah, I may be going slightly fast for some people. So just click on that cog wheel. Uh, I don't know if it, you know, it's, if it's very, um, how shall I say, visually impaired, accessible but it is there and it can slow down the speed at which the video plays back and it doesn't lose pitch. It's, it's really fantastic for learning. Okay, I know we got about 10 minutes here. Any other questions uh, per se? Oh, by the way, I do offer a free 30 minute, no obligation lesson. So uh, I'm happy to show you some of these techniques, go deeper, answer any questions, go as slow as you want. Just fill out the contact page and um, I see that Tyann is still on here. I think yeah, she's a student of mine now, and she 
took a free 30 minute lesson back in August. So I just really enjoy teaching, uh, well, all, all my students, but, you know, particularly visually impaired because the challenge of, okay, how can I show them how to play quickly with minimal movements? How can I teach them theory that's extremely practical? Um, just, these are things you don't get with a classical teacher. You just don't. And, uh, if you did, they'd be playing, you know, in bands and clubs and what have you, but don't get me wrong. I love, I love the classics now because I look at this and I go, okay, here's a circle of fifths. Watch this. This is an A as an apple, A chord. A goes to D. Now this is an A flat dominant. Well, I know that A flat dominant sevens always resolve down by fifth. There it is. This is another A flat dominant seven. I know where it's going. It's gonna go down a fifth. So here's D flat to G flat circle. To B, that's circle. To E, I'm sorry, we're still on B. B goes to E in the circle. Right, circle of fifths, 1820. You better believe Beethoven knew, knew the circle of fifths. Right? So it's extremely helpful to memorize any Western civilization music because um, certain chords resolve to other chords. And once you know these cliche chord progressions, you're like in a little club. <laughs> you really are. It's the uh, two five one club. I'll call it. <laughs> very, very, very ubiquitous progression. Ah, I see a hand. Thank you, Pam. Yeah, hello, Mark. I wonder if Hi. you could go over the relative minor again. Sure, absolutely. So let's do the key of C major. Thank you. Uh, C major is all white notes. All right. The relative minor uh, is three half steps. Three keys, three half steps down from the major scale. So C major, three half steps down is A, A minor scale. It's basically from A up an octave to A, but you raise the seventh. There's actually three different minor scales, but the most common, most practical is what's called the relative, the um, harmonic minor. All you do is play the same white notes as if you were playing in C, but you start on an A alpha. That's what's called the natural minor, but we're not going to get caught up with the nomenclature. Just remember to play from A to A as if you're in the key of C major, all white notes, but raise the seventh tone a half step. Okay, so they're called relative major and minor because they have some common chords. For example, if you were to play the two chord, well, let's do this. The sixth chord in the key of C major is built on an A as an apple, and you go every other white note, so it's A minor. Sixth chord in the key of C major is A minor. So it's built on the sixth note of the C scale. Well. A minor is the one chord in the key of A minor. All right, so they have that chord in common. The 
seven chord in the key of C is built on the B note, B as in boy, every other white note. No, oh, it's B diminished. Well, the two chord in the key of A minor is B diminished. Okay, so there's some common chords, not all, or it would be the same key signature, but there's three or four, let's see, one, two, three. Hmm, there's actually four, four chords that are common between C major scale and the A minor, relative minor. Okay, because there's four common chords, a lot of songs will modulate uh, to, or excuse me, from the major scale or major key to the relative minor. And that's seen in, uh, for example, hmm, Autumn Leaves. We're in the key of C, Charlie. Ah, right here, we're gonna go to the relative minor, key of A minor. You can hear it's getting darker sounding. So it starts out in the key of C, oh, ironically, two chord, <laughs> to the five, to one, to four. That's our bridge chord. It's a B diminished, and it's seven in C, it's the two in A minor. So that bridges us, or takes us, modulates, allows us to modulate to the relative minor. You can hear how it gets darker sounding. Here we go. Ah, now we're in A minor. There's A minor. Okay, so that's a quintessential example of a song that starts out in the major key and then goes down three half steps, modulates, changes key to the relative minor. It's very common in song. So hopefully that answered your question. If not, you can ask, ask another one. I'll try and explain it differently. <laughs> I see your hand still up, Pam. Did that help at all? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome very much. Cool. Well, I know we have just a couple minutes here. Uh, Trish is still with us. Thank you, Trish. And uh, is Herbie still with us? I don't know. Let's see. Whatever. I mean, what? oh, yes. Great. So I want to thank uh, Trish and Herbie and all of our participants here. Uh, I don't know how much time we have, but if any, anyone has any other questions quickly, I can answer. Um, but. I hope some of you take advantage of the free 30 minute lesson. Uh, again, no obligation. If I can help at all, clear things up. Um, if you need any advice on a keyboard to purchase, whatever. Um, but do go to my websites, click on the learning resources. I just learned from a student in Maryland that drop down menus are not ideal for visually impaired people. So um, I actually changed one of them to make it easier, hopefully, to access you know, the learning resources. But there's a lot of free information out there, and uh, hopefully it will help you, uh, inspire you to play. Okay. So thank you to everyone. Oh, we have another uh, question. Norris Vipad. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, hi. It's Norris. How do I get, how do I get the, uh, go to the 30-minute class? Uh, how do I get qualified for that? So, I'm sorry, for the 30-minute, no obligation? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Just go to blindpianolessons.com. Uh -huh. And on the far right, you'll see a drop down menu called contact. Uh -huh. Just fill that out with your either phone number or email address. And then I'll 
contact you and we can set up a time. Okay, great. Because I have a landline phone and most people oh. have no. <laughs> No, no, land, landline is fine. You can put your phone number in there in the comments section. You can text me. My phone number is all, all over the site. If you feel oh, like, okay. you know, if you can receive texts on your no, home line. <laughs> okay, then, then do the email and then yeah. we'll set up the free 30-minute lesson. But you don't, yeah, home line, if you have a speakerphone, you don't have to have a cell phone. We can, I teach 90% of my blind students uh, over the phone. So no oh. worries. Okay, okay. so I'll get to Piano learning, piano lesson. How does that go again? Piano. Sure. Yeah. The, uh, the website, the best website is blindpianolessons.com. Uh -huh. Yeah. And just go to, there's only three drop down menus. Go to contacts. Mm -hmm. And that's where you fill out, you know, your email. But if you want to learn things for free, there's another drop down right uh -huh. direct, directly next to the contact drop down called learning resources. Oh, okay. That's okay. great. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you very yeah, much. You're, you're welcome. Very okay. much. Okay. Any other questions? I see uh, Pam's name uh, hand up, but I think that might just be old. Whatever. Now this. So I want to thank Ken, Jonathan, Janice, Dexter, Herbie, Diane, Nora, Pam, Trish, and myself. What? <laughs> thank you very much, all of you. This was fun. And uh, if, even if you have any questions on what I did, just you know, email me. I'm happy to answer or text you any of these answers uh, just shows me that you're interested. And if I can help, I'm happy to do it. So thanks for everyone. Everyone have a great day. Uh, it's going to be 73 tomorrow here in Chicago. Can you believe that? I'm get my suntan, my autumn suntan. <laughs> thanks everyone. Appreciate it.